Hi, you are listening to the Fab and Flawed Podcast, the podcast for folks like me who are just trying to get their shit together, live a little bit healthier, and find a little bit more balance in life. From kicking negative thoughts over our heads to kicking ass, we've got this. Hey, we all have baggage, so let's unpack it together. Hi everyone, Jen Rowe here, co-founder from Fat to Finish Line and founder of Jen Rowe Life Coaching Services. Thanks for joining me for episode number two. If you're new to me and want to know a little bit more about my mission, vision, and motivation for recording this podcast, then please check out episode number one. As a reminder, I'm your sassy mouth, certified life coach who is working to help you and I find more joy, reach goals, and get rid of the bullshit that blocks us from greatness. And today, I'm talking about the bullshit thinking and things we say to ourselves that fuck us and our goals. I call this negative thoughts or the mean voices in my head. Mean voices and negative thoughts are most definitely the most dangerous enemy we've got. And while most of us know they exist, most of us don't know how to properly battle them or protect ourselves against them. I have dealt with negative thoughts my whole life and on a daily basis. I forget to work on them too because it's easy to let them just slip by. I mean, we have a million thoughts a day, so it's hard to catch all of them. And some of them are so deep down inside that we no longer even question it if it's a negative thought or not. We've just somewhere along the way have accepted that this craptastic thought is fact, even though it's likely not a fact, but just a thought and a self-limiting belief that we've developed over time. Now, in my quest to learn a lot more about this, I've come to identify three different types of mean voices that likes to talk to me in my own head. Maybe you can relate. The first voice I hear in my head is the bitchy bully. Now, she says really mean things. She says the things you would never even say to your best friend. She's the one that makes you feel inferior to everybody else around you. She's the one who'll say things like you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid. If you wanted to start running, this bitchy bully would say you're too fat to run. Things like that. The second voice I hear in my head is someone I call the ratchet realist. Now this voice is trying to reason with me. She tries to uh, get me to avoid doing anything that could slightly be out of my comfort zone by appealing to me rationally. This voice will say run, But that's kind of a silly thing to take on, don't you think? I mean, you don't have the time to do that. Why would you add that to your plate? So this voice tries to shut down any further action towards any type of goal through being, you know, a realist. And then the third type of voice I deal with, I call the backhanded buddy. Now this voice tries to be the advice giver, right? And I think the backhanded buddy even means well sometimes. But the problem is, like anyone else on this planet giving an advice, it's not always good advice. And the advice offered by the backhanded buddy is just another tactic to keep you from pushing yourself to grow outside of your comfort zone. This is the voice I might say, what do you need to run for? You know you're going to get injured and you know that running's bad for your knees. And then that's it. It's all over. Now, I never really realized what a negative thinker I was. In fact, so much of our negative thoughts have been cemented as facts in our head, fake facts. And these come from experiences and shit we've learned even as young as being kids and just never challenged along the way. For example, 
I remember my first encounter with the first negative voice type, the bitchy bully. I was very young. And growing up, I always felt, even back then, that I was fat and unattractive. Now, these thoughts were formed from other people's words and actions. Like many kids, I was bullied and teased. Now, I did have giant frizzy curly hair that my mother, who had pin straight hair, didn't know what to do with. Now, this is the early 80s, well before decent hair products. And I did happen to be a chubby little kid that would overhear classmates poke fun at me or adults just trying to offer my parents some advice on how I might lose some weight. Now, the issue wasn't whether or not I had some big hair or a big ass. The issue was my thoughts about it. I thought that the way I looked made me less important, less worthy, and less likable than the thinner girls with perfect Farrah Fawcett hair. And as if the bitchy bully in my head wasn't bad enough, I also had a teacher around this time that treated the very pretty girls one way and the boys and not-so-pretty girls another In this day and age, this teacher would have been fired for sure. One day, though, in front of the entire class, he mortified the shit out of me by saying, Jennifer Rowe, your jeans are getting just a little too tight, don't you think? And I think you're getting a little too chunky to wear them. And also, I think you need to go on a diet. Now... Oh my God, people, talk about wanting to kill yourself. I'm in the sixth grade and mortally embarrassed in front of my entire class, right? I remember my cheeks flushing bright red, the lump in my throat just growing unbearable. I wanted to die. I dashed to the closet so I could let my tears loose and compose myself. And that fucking shitty teacher supercharged shitty thoughts for a million years. So this was a really crappy experience for me. And in fact, I documented that uh, whole story in a blog I wrote for the From Fat to Finish Line um, blog a few years ago. So if you want to read more about that experience with that teacher, I will put the link on my social media and on my website so you can read about it. So the bitchy bully knows how to take over where some outside bully left off. Just because other people do or say mean things to us does not mean it's true, nor that we need to adopt those thoughts as our own. Unfortunately, a lot of us don't know how to combat that, and I certainly did not. During grade school, I also began having toxic thoughts related to how smart I was. We had a track system in school. The smartest kids were placed in tracks one and two. Track three was considered uh, the class for average kids. And the fourth and fifth track were for kids who needed the most help learning. Sadly, there was a stigma about being in the fourth or fifth tracks, i.e. those were the kids who were naughty, lazy, or just not so bright. Many of those kids went on to be the troubled kids in high school, the ones who skipped class or got caught smoking in the bathroom. Knowing what I know now about thoughts and self-limiting beliefs, I often wonder if many of those kids went down a rowdier path simply from being put in the lower track class as little kids and the thoughts and beliefs about themselves as they developed as a result. I started in track two, the second smartest track. Now, I wanted to be in track one so bad. Those kids definitely walked around with an air of superiority, and I wanted in, and I wanted in bad. But I was track two, and though I was a little jealous of track one, I still felt pretty good about that. It was still considered above average. But then, the school did something that made me question everything. In the sixth grade, they dropped me to track three. 
Oh, the horror. I had great grades and always worked hard to make the honor roll. Why would they punish me like this? Why were they telling me I was now not smart enough for even track two? Never mind my dreams of being in track one. Now, let's back up. I have an identical twin sister. She was in track three because although she was as smart as I was and she's definitely as witty and quick, she just wasn't as motivated to study hard and was very content to do the bare bone minimum in order to just pass. She was a girl who was very satisfied with a good C plus or a solid B minus, but not me. I craved A's. At some point, the school system decided that my twin and I should be in the same track, so there we were together. Now, I'm not sure why they thought this was the thing to do, but at the time, they did. Now, I assume they believed it would be better for me to drop to track three rather than challenge Cheryl to jump up to track two. No one ever explained why I was being dropped, and going into track three made me feel horrible. Overnight, I, I felt stripped of my identity as a smart girl. I remember feeling shame about it, like people were looking at me like, why, why couldn't I cut it? I felt like the whole world knew that I just wasn't made out to be in track one or track two. I wanted so bad to go up to track one, and now here I was, dropped to track three. Once again, though, track labels aside, I was doing the exact same classwork as before, and I continued to get really great grades. But my brain decided to label myself as less than because of an outside event, and that bullying voice grabbed hold onto that belief and ran with it for a long time. The voices in my head about weight, looks, and intelligence rattled between my ears for years because I never challenged them and they went completely unchecked. It was fake news. And just like fake news can feel real or seem real on social media because of all of the sharing, my fake news became real because I kept replaying the story and reposting it on my figurative Facebook wall in my brain over and over again. In the meantime, I compensated for my belief of not being as smart or pretty as I wanted to be by becoming a major people pleaser and making jokes. My thoughts were, if I wasn't going to be smart or look good, I might as well kill them with kindness and make them laugh. And that was the way I I decided to approach that. Even once I made it to high school, I thinned out, I learned to tame my hair, I managed to become president of the French Honor Society, and I placed in advanced English classes. I still had the same toxic thoughts stuck in my head. When someone would compliment me on my hair, even though it was starting to look pretty good good by this time, I thought they were making fun of me. Unfortunately, one of the first and biggest ways words and thoughts infect us is when we start to believe someone else's words and opinions of us. Opinions. Someone else told us something and we chose to believe them. Whether it's a shitty kid next door who tells you, you smell and you're ugly. Or the teacher who told you, you weren't smart enough. The problem is we adopt these opinions as facts. Now, I'm really happy to tell you that not everyone does this. I have many friends who have very strong personalities, and if somebody challenges them with something they don't believe, they push right back. But unfortunately, that wasn't me, and my self-esteem wasn't like that. If somebody said something to me, I chose to believe them usually, and usually without question. Now, I know better. 
And I think it's an important thing to discuss for all of us, because even if you are the one that usually would challenge this, I bet you there's some places where these kinds of sneaky things sneak in anyway. Anyway, the worst is when we've created feelings from these words and the feelings become reinforced through other experiences. This is where the ratchet realist voice starts to come in. I mean, I was super smart in high school. I even got an academic scholarship on an early admissions program to a local state university. Now, I totally convinced myself that the reason why I got in was because I was lucky and I was funny and the lady must have really liked me in my interview. This is different than the bully voice. This is the realist voice taking over. She's reinforcing, though, what the bully had to say way back when. Now, the realist says, well, you fooled them on how smart you are. Good thing you have this great sense of humor and people pleasing to get you by. I mean, why couldn't I just give myself the credit that I had actually glowing recommendations from my teachers or that most of my grades were good? The ratchet realist made sure to not let the possible thought that was actually smart and capable, humor and people-pleasing aside, to get into a college. And because of that limiting belief, I just took the first college that accepted me. I never even tried to get into the real colleges or universities of my dreams because I didn't think I'd be able to fool them like I'd fooled these guys. Anyway, when I started running, I had serious doubts about actually being able to run and follow through to the finish line. The bullying voice tried to say I was too fat and certainly I was too lazy and undisciplined. And almost worse was the ratchet realist in the backhanded buddy voices because they were believable. They kept reminding me that I didn't have enough time, my work would suffer, I would be taking too much time away from my family, and you know, the good old running is going to ruin my knees, and why would I do that? Those voices and thoughts were worse than the bully because they disguised themselves as reasonable and legit voices of reasons, but that they are not. They are just another form of shit talk preventing you from going for your dreams. This chatter tried to convince me to not go for this goal, but it didn't work this time. I cannot even fathom how many dreams were crushed before I even had a chance to consider them. I am pretty sure that I've talked myself out of doing hundreds of things without even realizing it was happening just by not recognizing the ratchet realist or the backhanded buddy chatting away unintended. Thankfully, at the time I started running, I was reading a self-help book called The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. That book had a profound impact on my life, and it was the reason I added running as a goal, and it gave me the tools to not only start running, but get to the finish line. This book works on changing your thoughts and visualizing positive outcomes. It was the first time I really began to understand how thoughts worked. It made me start to examine every excuse, fear, negative chatter, and self-limiting belief I'd ever had. This book is great, and I reread it every few years. As a matter of fact, I'm rereading it and doing the work suggested as we speak. If you're interested in looking into this book, you'll find more information about it on my social media and website. I had started by this point working on thought work, but it's an everyday work in progress. And for me, the most important work I do, 
Now, I've mentioned the film from Fat to Finish Line before. It's a documentary that I co-produced and was featured in. It's the story of 12 runners who had all lost weight and embarked on a 200-mile relay race that started in Miami and ended in Key West, Florida. I was one of the runners. I had a very eye-opening moment that clearly showed just how deep my negative thinking was and how it could undermine you and fuck you over without you even realizing it's happening. So I had this middle-of-the-night 10-mile run, and I was freaking out about it. The director of the film, Angel Lee, had strapped GoPro cameras on us and told us to just talk as we ran. So there was some sort of audio commentary for the sake of the film. Well, my self-talk, the voices in my head, became my out loud talk. I started off thinking I was funny. There was 100-pound, 20-year-old girls running past me like I was standing still. And I'd make some kind of self-depreciating joke about being the slowest gazelle in the field and that I would be the sacrificial part of the herd when the lions caught up. I also kept thinking, though, in the back of my mind, and I might have said this out loud on camera more than once, that I was going to get cramps and I was so scared of that happening. The entire time, the voices in my head started to ramp up and ramp up and all I could hear over and over again in the only thing I could tell myself was, please don't cramp. Please don't cramp. I hope, I hope I don't cramp. Shit. My legs are starting to feel tight. Fuck. Is that a cramp? Oh my fucking God. I'm going to cramp up. I'm not going to be able to finish this run. If I can't finish this leg, then I'm fucked. I'm fucking the movie. And the thoughts just kept coming. And then I began the downward spiral. At the time, I truly was terrified of fucking up this run. I had spent more than a year pulling together this film with Angela and our partners. We had massive amounts of money and time invested, and now me, the producer, was going to fuck up the whole movie. In my mind at the time, the whole team would be disqualified if I didn't run this leg. Now, that wasn't really true. I should have read the rules, but... And the other thing I was thinking is by not finishing this leg, I was killing the movie because the whole point of this movie was to get to the finish line and now I wasn't going to get that there the whole movie is called from fat to finish line and I was not only not going to get myself to the finish line but I was letting the whole team down the whole production crew down and everyone on the friggin planet down because 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 of me there would be no finish line this was legitimately the voices in my head and they were screaming it it was a horrible feeling, and I believed it in my core. And even though I believed it, it was all mostly lies. Now, let's start with the first thing, the cramping. Okay, I think I cramped. My legs felt pretty tight. and But I firmly believe that I talked myself into thinking I had cramps or talked myself into having those cramps. There are so many studies that prove that the mind believes what we tell it to. I have a bigger story about this a little bit later that I will discuss at another time. Number two, I wasn't laying down the planet or the world if I couldn't finish this one run in the middle of the night. Film or no film, the people who loved me loved me. I put pressure on myself that no one else was, was putting on me. In fact, you can see how wrong I was about how I thought my teammates and friends and everybody was going to react when you watched a movie. It was the opposite. My teammates showed me nothing but love and support. So that was another lie I had told myself. And the third lie that I told myself during this night run was that I was fucking up the entire movie, that there would be no movie and the movie would be ruined. Well, in fact, this 
part of the movie was perhaps one of the strongest parts of the film because it really hit home for a lot of people, especially me. Once I could see this scene with objectivity, I could I could see how bad my negative thinking really was, and I didn't even realize I was doing it. I was so ashamed and embarrassed of the situation in the moment. At the time, I believed I was telling the world, you see, I knew I wasn't a real runner, and now the whole world knows what a fraud I am. But that wasn't what the message was. That was just the bullshit in my head. Having a bad run didn't make me any less of a runner, and it didn't make me a fraud. It made me a runner who had a bad run, and it gave me some learning lessons and perspective on things. Negative thoughts often wander in and out of our brains unchallenged. It's like leaving your front door open and just letting thieves come in and steal shit. A little bit here, a little bit there. They don't seem so bad at first. Maybe you didn't want the couch anyway. And soon, these guys are coming in and out so often they become friends. You might even take comfort with having them around and start to believe them and their con game. I mean, they're right. Take the TV. Go ahead. I don't need a TV. But these voices aren't just mean, they are insidious. They will talk you out of your biggest dreams, convince you that you're not good enough to go for something, will rob you of self-esteem, and plant doubt. These thoughts are like unattended weeds and can grow wild and choke out the flowers and positive seeds you've tried to plant. If you don't pay close attention to what's happening, you will never even notice it's happening, just like what happened to me in the middle of the night. Now, there's so much to talk about when it comes to negative voices and thought work. This will be something I continue to talk about a lot on a lot of my episodes of this podcast. These voices become thoughts, and thoughts lead to every feeling and action we do. That's why it's so important. Since this is running long and there's just so much to discuss, I've decided that I'm going to now split this episode into two parts. So... Tune into episode three, where we'll continue this discussion and provide ways to talk back to the toxic voices and start shutting down those negative thoughts for good. Now, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, like me on Facebook, and join the Fab and Floyd private community where we can chat about all of this in a private and safe space. And if you like what you're hearing, do me a solid and rate and review my podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time. Bye now. Hey, thanks so much for joining me. My goal is to help you dream bigger, find joy, and reach your goals. If you want to suggest a topic for the show or learn how you can bring me on as your very own personal life coach, then visit me at fabandflawed.com. That's F-A-B-A-N-D-F-L-A-W-E-D.com. Fabandflawed.com. I look forward to being a part of your journey, and I thank you so much for being a part of mine.